0: This is the greatest catalyst to the transformation of what I call primary care, ambulatory care, because right now, telemedicine has become the standard way for a regular physician visit. And I know cardiologists who really never used telemedicine are using it all over the world.
1: Welcome back to the Trial Better podcast. In this episode we're discussing AliveCore's Cardia Mobile 6L, a device that patients can use to complete ECG assessments at home. We'll discuss how the Cardia Mobile supports social distancing and the surge in virtual trials in response to COVID-19. Leading this conversation is host Brian Smith and guest Dr. David Albert, founder and chief medical officer at AliveCore. So let's not waste time and jump into this edition of Trial Better.
2: Hi everyone, and welcome to ERT's Trial Better podcast. I'm Brian Smith filling in for your host, Jason Egger. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Albert from AliveCore, who is the founder and chief medical officer. Dr. Albert is a physician, inventor, and serial entrepreneur who has developed life-saving technologies and products for three decades. His latest innovation, AliveCore's Cardiomobile personal ECG technology brings data collection directly to the patient's hand. Dr. Albert, welcome to Trial Better.
0: Well, thank you, Brian, for inviting me. And uh, unfortunately, I've been doing that inventing for 40 years. And, <laughs> and, and when I heard three decades, I went, yeah, I must have written that 10 years ago. So, <laughs> But thank you for inviting me.
2: Well, thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, so to start off our podcast, my first question is, could you explain to everyone what the AliveCore Cardio Mobile 6L device is and how does it work?
0: Well, our Cardio Mobile 6L is a device that AliveCore introduced in 2019. And what it does is, in, in techno nerd terms, it allows you to record Eindhoven's triangle. And what that means is we have two kinds of, of EKG or ECG leads. We have the limb leads, which are made up of the left leg, the left arm, and the right arm, and then leads that are calculated from those measurements. And then we have the chest leads, the precordial leads. And a 12-lead ECG, what you'd get in a doctor's office or in a hospital, involves oftentimes uh, putting sticking electrodes on, laying down all these wires connected to you. And what we wanted to do is bring at least half of that, six of those 12 leads to anyone without having to take their clothes off, without having to do anything major, but give uh, both them and their healthcare providers, their doctors, their cardiologists, uh, significantly more information then you could get from our first generation Cardio Mobile, which was a single lead, lead one ECG. And so the Cardio Mobile 6L does lead one, lead two, and then gives you leads three, and then what we call the augmented leads. So it, it gives you a number of additional views, which can be very helpful.
2: No, thank you, and that's fascinating. The ability to go from a single lead from your old device to the sixth lead, I think really really changes the way um, we can collect ECGs at home. Uh, now, due to the COVID-19 pandemic and the recent changes in the FDA regulations, how is the, the cardio mobile device being used today in, in doctor's offices
0: and hospitals? Well, there, there's really two ways. First of all, as as you may know, we receive a, what's called an emergency use. I think probably people listening, listening on this podcast have heard about the malaria medicine that has gained a lot of attention, hydroxychloroquine along with a conventional antibiotic, azithromycin, a ZPAC, and they've been used uh, all over the world, literally, to treat COVID-19. And so the issue with those drugs are both of them can do something called uh, create a QT prolongation. And ERT is very familiar with that. Um, What that means is when you take both of them or even just one of them, you potentially can, can have a serious cardiac arrhythmia. And so the FDA, we, we went to them and said, you know, we've, we've been working for several years, and I know ERT knows this with Mayo Clinic and others, uh, on measuring QT using the Cardiomobile 6L. And what we did is we went and said, listen, we're getting ready. We have a lot of clinical data we've collected over the last uh, several years. We've published papers. But we think this is this we could help keep people safe while they're treated with these medicines. And so they granted us an emergency use literally in one day. And so since that time, you know, we've been uh, helping healthcare organizations utilize the Cardiomobile 6L to monitor QTC in patients who are taking these two uh, medicines that are now being used in a widespread way.
2: Oh, that's great. I mean, I know, Dr. Evel, you, you shared with me, um, you know, personal story about your son and collecting ECGs during, you know, COVID-19. Can you share that with us and how the Cardiomobile makes it that much easier for our doctors?
0: Well, sure. Because uh, my oldest son is a, a, a new attending physician at one of our largest hospitals, Cedars-Sinai in, in Los Angeles. And he was an attending on their teaching medicine service. So he, for for three weeks, had nothing but COVID patients. They were a hot spot at, at Cedars or getting these because it's an, a very high-end, world-famous hospital. And um, when they took an ECG, they would have to essentially sterilize the machine. They would have to use personal protective equipment, another acronym, PPE, for the ECG techs to go into the room, the people who normally do this. And, and they said, wait a second, this is not a good idea. Because we need that PPE for the people who are actually taking care of the patients. We don't want to take those EKG machines out of service for who knows how long to to get them clean. So they said, is there another way we can do it and actually leave a device in the room? And that's where the idea of using our 6L came from. And and it's found use not only there, but at, at other places like, you know, uh, uh, ma- let me just say major institutions. I don't have anybody, you know, my son works at Cedars, but I don't have other people. But there are many other institutions that have purchased our devices and are using them, including in other countries. Hotspots, France, Spain have all purchased our device and are using them for inpatients without having to waste this personal protective equipment, nor put those people at risk, those ECG techs, nor uh, having to sterilize or clean their ECG equipment.
2: That's great. It's great to see your device making a, an immediate impact like that. So, so now moving into clinical research, obviously ERT is involved with our, you know, conducting clinical trials around the world. How do you think we can solve problems in the clinical research today, especially with the the stay-at-home mandates and and patients, you know, unwilling or less likely to go into their their doctor's office for their clinical trials visit.
0: Well, we've been doing the validation research to show. That we can be very close to a traditional 12-lead ECG with our device. And we've been talking to ERT about how to use this. And as as we've been told, you have further and further demands of of the sponsors, the pharma companies, wanting to do trials, uh, virtual trials, trials where patients stay at home, trials that are beyond the traditional phase one, phase two. And in addition to that, you're being asked to do these trials in what I would call unique venues. You know, yep. those things in the jungle or in a refugee camp. And what the world knows is, and I've we were contacted by the CDC, is that both multidrug-resistant tuberculosis and multi-drug resistant malaria, the drugs we're using to treat them are all QT prolongers. And you're not going to be do, using these in regular clinic venues. And therefore, the, the Cardiomobile 6L could potentially be useful for ERT in taking their expertise at QT measurement and, and, and data acquisition and taking it to these new venues, whether it's the home or whether it's someplace more remote than even the home.
2: Yep, no, no, definitely. I can, We can definitely see ourselves see the use for, for collecting ECGs at home with alternate methods. Uh, one question I know that our sponsors and people we've talked to is we've talked about alternate collection of ECGs, whether single lead or, or six lead, um, the question comes up: Should do they have any concerns about the integrity of the data collected at patients' home? What are your thoughts on on your device and also other home collection? Well,
0: I can't speak to other home collection. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people have been collecting blood pressures and and, and blood glucoses for years, decades, even. Um, you know, ECG, we were kind of the pioneer at the at the home collection, at the personal collection. And I can tell you, we have over 90 peer-reviewed publications in every major cardiovascular journal. We've presented at every major cardiovascular meeting, both here and overseas. And and our, our technology's been put to the test against 12 lead ECGs, against ambulatory ECGs. And and I think we've done for, for you know done well and and have proven that a person, if trained, and who gets to practice can can record clinical quality ECGs at home on themselves. And I think that's, that's important. You know, I, I can tell you right now, uh, one of the things that what we're seeing is uh, venues that are constant, where people live together, like nursing homes, where you have both close quarters and high risk patients, elderly people with other conditions, you know, you're going to need to keep track of those kinds of people, and they often take many kinds of medicines, many of which probably prolong their QT. And so, I think, you know, having somebody there in a nursing home, uh, we we've shown that that we can we can utilize our technology even in a difficult population such as you know serious seniors. Uh, so I I'm I'm confident that that we'll be able to generate high quality data that will be acceptable to pharma that is acceptable to the FDA and to other regulatory bodies and is acceptable to clinicians.
2: That's great. So, I mean, obviously, you know, for all of us, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic and stay-at-home mandates are are temporary. Um, Do you think that this, um, you know, what we're going through now is going to lead to a permanent shift in how we're collecting clinical data in the future?
0: No question. You know, I didn't bring that up when I talked about the QT issue in COVID, but the reality is This is the greatest catalyst to the transformation of what I call primary care, ambulatory care, because right now telemedicine has become the standard way for a regular physician visit. And I know cardiologists who really never used telemedicine are using it all over the world. My wife's a rheumatologist. She's using it every day. And you know what, patients? They like it. You don't have to drive, you don't have to take off work, you don't have to sit in a waiting room around what are potentially sick people, you know, if you go. And, and I think this will be a catalyst and everyone I've talked to at every major institution agrees that telemedicine uh, is here to stay and will be utilized much more. And I think that same idea will carry over into the clinical research area where ERT is, is such a significant player. Uh, people like to be home, people like to be comfortable, and and they don't like to travel. And if you're here in L.A., I can tell you, very few people like to get on the road.
2: <laughs> I get it. I mean, it's it's true. Obviously, we also see oncology patients that, that fly, um, you know, coast to coast to get treatment and clinical trials and their ability to be able to collect patient, their own data at home. You know, without their site, you know, their site being thousands of miles away, is, is is truly beneficial to the patient, and I think that's what you know this pandemic is showing is that bringing that to the patient is is beyond just the the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, do you see any other benefits from being at home? Let's say an ECG collection is it? Do we remove like well, such things that's white coat effects that we would white see? White coat and,
0: effects. Well, you know, that's obviously been a big issue with blood pressures, and I think it's becoming very well understood. That home blood pressures are probably more valuable in terms of patient management than office blood pressures. They may not be quite as good as an ambulatory blood pressure, but they're much better than an office where you have the white coat syndrome. And I think, you know, the same thing's probably true of ECG collection. I don't have data on this, so I can't tell you. I've got a, a peer-reviewed published manuscript, but but people are more relaxed. Uh, they've got less of a you know flight or fright. Uh, I can tell you that we have lots of of anecdotes of people who at home go into a, an arrhythmia such as atrial fibrillation and by the time they get to an emergency room or doctor's office they're in sinus rhythm and they go well doc trust me i was in atrial fibrillation i promise and now with these personal ecg devices like cardia you can document that and 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 you don't even have to go to the office you just send it to your doctor and they go yeah you're right <laughs> and uh, you know let's let's schedule whatever we need to schedule or let's let's you know change your start a prescription. So I think remote management, remote patient monitoring, are trends that are here to stay. I think they've been catalyzed by COVID-19, but we're not gonna go back, uh, Brian. In, in a number of ways, we're not gonna go back. Uh, do you feel really comfortable in a month getting on a plane? <laughs> going, to a, going to a basketball game? You know, we're, I think the world's going to change and and with it, the practice of medicine is going to change, uh, and maybe in some ways we can't even see today.
2: No, I, I agree. And as much as I'd love to go watch a baseball game, I'll be perfectly happy watching it from my home and not with uh, 50,000 other screaming fans. Um, go
0: Dodgers, uh, <laughs> by the way, go Dodgers. Uh, go
2: Yankees. <laughs> uh, oh, Yan- I could say go Yankees, but, you know, we're going to leave this. Um, yeah. Strictly scientific and not based on who has the most World Series titles. Um, so be- beyond, <laughs> so be- beyond um, what we've talked about today, uh, Dr. Abel, do you see, um, how do you think that, this will continue to evolve, and what do you see as other trends in the industry? In, well, I in... think,
0: yeah, I, I think the notion of you know ha- having started a live core, what I would say in the infancy, the Jurassic period of digital health. Okay, I've seen it, and as a matter of fact, I, I, uh, several people have have said I'm the father of digital health. No, I'm more, I'm the grandfather of digital health. So that's, uh, uh, <laughs> but but you know, we've we've I've watched the evolution to where digital health is really just becoming health. You know, the smartphone is the remote control for our lives. That's how we bank, it's how we communicate, it's, it's how we take pictures, it's, it's, it's involved. You know, you, you can't see anybody even in COVID who don't have their head down. In fact, you worry about what running into people, right? Everywhere you go, people are on their smartphone. And so that's gonna become the principal You know, entry point for many people in the healthcare. And I think um, those devices just keep getting more and more sophisticated with more and more sensors. And I think with devices such as you know blood pressure devices, pulse oximeters, uh, ECG devices like Cardia, we'll, we'll continue to see uh, more and more remote monitoring, more and more attempts to prevent, because the best way to stay healthy is to prevent getting sick. And, and I think that's where digital medicine has some tremendous opportunity is to help people either catch issues early and change their lifestyle, change uh, uh, their health care, or to address things in a more efficient way because cost has always been a huge issue. And, and uh, you know, if you don't have to go uh, across town and miss work and things, to the patient, the cost is, is better. So I, it's going to change in a bunch of ways, Brian. And, and some that probably I can't even imagine.
2: No, no, thank you. I, I really appreciate your insight on that, Dr. Albert. And so thanks again for joining us today on Trial Better. Uh, we really had a great conversation on how a live core is being used today. It's role in EC collection during the COVID-19 pandemic in different environments in the hospital and how it can be used in the home. We really look forward to hearing more about AliveCor's innovations in cardiac safety in the future, as I'm sure, as an innovator, as yourself, for four de- decades, as you corrected me, I'm sure you have more to come. Uh, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. And as always, leave a review for Trial Better on your favorite podcast channel and send us your feedback anytime at trialbetter at
1: ERT.com. And thanks again, Dr. Albert. Thank you. Special thanks to Dr. Albert and Brian for today's discussion. As technologies like Cardia Mobile become the new normal of clinical research, it's important for sponsors and researchers to know the trailblazing tools available for virtual trials. Before we go, thanks again for tuning in and be sure to join us on May 20th for our next Trial Better Briefing, an interactive webinar series where we dig deeper into the topics we cover on the podcast. Find information to register and upcoming briefings at trialbetter.com. Finally, please remember to comment rate or review Trial Better on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast channel. You can also reach us at trialbetter at ERT.com. Thanks for listening and stay safe, everyone.